0: Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word.
1: We are here, this is Bible Marathon. For those of you who are joining us for the very first time, this is Bible Marathon. We're glad to have you here. We are all about running the race that is set before us, and um, we're using every tool at our disposal to make sure that we're able to grow, and that our profiting is evident for all to see. Um, today, we're continuing from our series or on our series on discernment. And I know you guys have learned a whole lot. How many of you can say that? Okay, this month you've learned something new. I mean that would be a lot of you so I, I would not want to waste time but um it's been very very instructive because one of the most important things you can ever have as a christian is the ability to discern right from wrong and and from what we've been learning so far so far there's is, there is right and there's almost right and you should also be able to discern the differences between those two um today i have the privilege of hosting us um hosting here um one of the most important people in my life and he also doubles as a pastor and i'll just give you you know a little bit of a background to how i met this guy all right so i met him um very long time ago about 20 let's see 20 six, 25 years ago or well, 25 years ago ish. So we have a very long relationship, very long, like, I mean, very, very long. And I met him the first time I met him, he was, you know, he was crying and I, and I walked up to him. I was like, why are you crying? And I carried him in my hands. <laughs> okay. Now you're getting it. Um, I have the privilege of hosting my younger brother who is gonna be teaching us and bringing this series to a close. I'm speaking about Pastor Kenneth Olusoya. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's one of the people I actually love to listen to when it comes to teaching. He's such an amazing and prolific teacher of the word. And um, we're in for an amazing time. He's the lead pastor of Vivify Ministries. How many people know Vivify? I mean, you should know, but let me see. Okay, Jessica, Vicky. Yeah, I see all hands are going up. So we've been, <laughs> put your hand down, sir. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a lot of us have been really, really blessed by your ministry. And I was like, hey, let's have you. By the way, for those of you who are new to Bible Marathon, Pastor Kenneth has been here before last year. Um, and um, and he's happily married to the one and only Chisom who is now my my sister, Pastor Chisom. Is she there? Is there which she can say hi? It's, no, she's not around here. No, okay, okay, okay. All right, so in BMG style, are we ready? I want us to unmute ourselves, and I want us to just welcome Pastor Kenneth right now. Welcome, welcome Pastor, Pastor Kenneth. Kenneth.
2: Welcome. to son. Welcome. 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 All right, so I'm just going to
1: pray real quick, and then... I'll give the floor to him. All right, let's just pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we are ready. We're ready to hear your word, to learn, to be instructed. And Lord, everything that you have for us, we will receive in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for utterance and for a receptive heart. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 We're good. Just checking. Is that my cue to go?
2: Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Just check it. Hello, beautiful people. Good evening. Thank you so much um, for coming out here. And more importantly, I want to say a very huge thank you to Pastor Ernest for this privilege. I don't take it for granted one bit. Every time spent with you guys is is just pure bliss. I want to say beautiful, uh, uh, extend beautiful gratitude to you. And also thank Dara for warmly welcoming everyone. I, I loved how she just you no know, checked in on everyone, at the start. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Sorry, guys. If I sound a bit slow, it's because we literally just finished service uh, a few minutes ago, about an hour ago, and it's about midnight here. Uh, I'm currently in the UAE, so please pardon me. I'll do my best to, to do that. But are you excited for the word? I Do you honor the word of God? Do you love the word of God? If you do, can I just hear a quick shout? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. yes. Awesome. Okay. Let's get into it. So uh, I'll be giving the topic on pick and choose to talk about uh, how to make uh, dis- decisions uh, and you know based on discernment, discernment in decision-making. And when you're handling this kind of teaching, it's super sensitive. And I could decide to zoom in and be super specific on a particular thing that, you know, we make decisions about, or I could just broaden it up so that it can be applicable to any area of your life. I I I, I thought more uh, after praying considerably to go with the latter. So um, get ready to be instructed by the word of God. Get ready to be corrected where you're wrong. Get ready to have your discernment sharpened. Get ready to receive wisdom that would help you in your life. Praise the name of Jesus. The first thing I'll just start with, there's so much to unpack, but I have so little time. Um, the first thing I want to start with is God leads his children. I know it sounds cliche. I know it sounds like something you would expect someone like me to say. Um, but the leadership of God is real. It is tangible, it is real, it is present, it is contemporary, it is still relevant and still practical today. God leads his children. Romans 8 verse 14 tells us that if we are sons of God, we will be led by God, right? Those who are sons of God are led by the spirit of God. And of course, in the context of Romans chapter 8, right, you're talking about the leadership that comes with, you know, doing the will of the father acting according to the new nature that you now have in Christ Jesus. And it's such a beautiful thing. But you see, literally, that God is a good shepherd. He literally says, he he leads us on paths. That is the Old Testament rendition of this kind of verse. If you're talking about crucifying the deeds of the flesh and being led by God to do what he wants you to do, um, you're talking about God who leads you on the paths of righteousness. So God leads us. He's not just watching from a flat screen TV. Ah, Gabriel, Michael, come, 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 come. Let's watch this. Uh, uh, see uh, this NS guy. Ah, because, uh, NS, no, don't do that. Oh, and we trusted that guy. Oh, yeah, bring your money. You should be, you bet 500 naira on this guy. It, that's not happening. He's not just watching us live as we should, but not just some pawns in some game he's intentional, he's present, he's actively, you know, leading us. um, Praise the name of Jesus. But one thing I've learned about the leadership of of God, and and this first part of discernment is more or less discerning the times, discerning the seasons, discerning God's leadings part-time. All right, so one thing that I've learned, and if you can still hear me, please just shout back at me, shout aloud loud amen. I just want to be sure you can still hear me. Amen. 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 Okay, great. Great. You guys are awesome. Thank you. So one thing I've learned about the leadership of God is this, and it has helped me because, I mean, my brother has known me well, probably the longest here. In many ways, I can become somewhat of a control freak. Um, and when I say control freak, not necessarily of others, but of m- myself. I want to have things in order. I want to have planned in my next 10 steps. I want this to be on an Excel sheet, a workbook. It needs to be this. I need to have graphs about my life and the trajectory of my life. Literally, I want things to go as planned. And maybe you are just like me. Maybe you're the kind of person that you like things to just go the way you planned. You want want your plan is sweet. It's fine. Do you know how long it took you to do that bar chart and You know how (laughs) you added everything up. It makes sense on paper. But many of us are still in control of our lives. We are the steering wheel. We are holding on to the reins of our life. And if you're going to walk with the Lord, you must learn to appreciate the unknown. You must learn to appreciate the unknown. You must learn to revel in the idea and the knowledge that you will not know everything. That you only would know the one who knows the unknown. That you'll only be able to see, you know, as far as the one who is unseen would have you see. Like, walking with the Lord is a gamble. Walking with the Lord is a step of faith. And, you know, a very simple definition of faith is the bridge between gaps of knowledge. That's what I would would usually define it as. When you really don't know something, for example, when we talk about God, we say, okay, in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. And we start questions like, before the beginning, what was God? Who created God? How did God come to be? And we have these gaps in knowledge where we don't have necessarily the facts and all the information to comprehend an infinite God. But faith bridges that gap. You might not know every single detail, but we know enough to make that step. Do you understand what I've said? I hope you do. So I've learned when it comes to interacting and you know, following the leadership of God, to revel in the unknown and trust that he has your back. He won't always give the, the full picture. In fact, I dare say this: it is unscriptural for God to give you the full picture of what he wants you to do, even if it's super important, he will never give you the full picture because where would you learn to put your faith in him? If he gave you all the blueprints, every single step-by-step thing to do, where's the place of trust? That's not how God walks. His love language is faith. He wants you to trust him. And I'm going to give you some, some examples from the scripture, right? God is not in the business of giving you the whole picture. I'll give you some, about four people in the Bible, just to give you an idea. Um, the first person that comes to mind is Joseph. 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 When you look at the life of Joseph, his life might seem glamorous, uh, at least towards the end anyways. But when you put yourself in his shoes, and I watched this movie recently. The last time I watched it, I was probably 12. Um, It's this movie, it's an animation movie by DreamWorks. It's called, um, not Prince of Egypt is Moses. This one is called Prince of Dreams, I think. Yes, Prince of Dreams. And this is a story of Joseph. And I wish we could go back to those days when they made those great animations. I don't know what they're doing now with all. I miss those days anyways. I watched it recently, I watched it in February and it touched me. Like this was someone who received a dream This was God wetting his appetite, telling him, look, this is a chance for you to be great. You are going to be great. Look at your brothers bowing down before even your father, your your mother bowing down before you. The sun, moon, and stars, which are the powers that be, will also bow down before you. Look at and This was an excited Joseph. Yes, Lord, you have my life figured out. It's going this way. This is how it's going to go. I'm excited. I am so pumped up. And soon after few days later, this guy falls inside a pit. Another day later, they sell this guy into slavery. You know, and he's walking in Potiphar's house and he's like, okay, at least things are picking up now. Potiphar is looking at me, seeing my service, saying that I'm faithful, elevating me to the highest rank. Okay, things are going well, God, I see you. Thanks. Thanks. It's working out. And just as things were just smoothing out and getting better, this woman that Kanji got a hold of, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, his said he runs for his life. I will not commit the sin against God. And, and look at a man who would not compromise. I love that story. And unjustly put in prison for several years. You need to realize that the, the distance between when he received that dream and when finally he was called out of prison to interpret the dreams of pharaoh you need to realize that this was a span of about if i'm not mistaken 13 years right he was sold at the age of i think 17 13 years before at the age of 30 he ruled the nation 13 years is a long time my people it, it, it's a very long time a long time enough for for doubt to sit down sit you down you eh dreamer i will sit you down i will sit you down and show you you know, it's time for him to be like, God, where really are you in this situation? God did not show him the full picture, didn't show him the trials, didn't show him Egypt. But look at how God in his beauty and sovereignty weaved time and chance to, to preserve the genealogy that Jesus will come from, from from the tribe of Judah. How God used the evil that was meant for Joseph and turned it out to be good. Just like he realized it was at that point he realized, look, what you meant for evil. I didn't, ha- I didn't know, this was not the picture I saw. This is not what I, I, I saw when I went through all of this, but I see it now. This is the picture God wanted me to see that all that you meant for evil, he made it for good for your own preservation to prove unconditional love and to prove that he's in control even when things don't seem like they're in control. That's Joseph's story. Now, when you look at a man like David, David, oh my goodness, David probably had no clue what was to come. All he knew was that he was committed the task to shepherd sheep, to take care of sheep, to protect them from evil, to protect them from enemies, from attackers that would come, the lion, the bear. This was probably what he was going to do all his life. This was the common trade in that day. Little did he know this was a preparation where there would be the sheep, the future sheep he would tend to, an enemy that would come that he will fight off by the power and the name of the Lord and win. And, and And look at that story. Look at someone who didn't even know that was something in view. Imagine that, you know, even when he was anointed by Samuel, at least that was exciting. This guy was probably, before, you know, he moved from that place, from anointing to the throne. It took a while. It took threats to his life. Attacks on his life, and he probably was in a space where he was like, God, where are you? Why hasn't this happened yet? He didn't have the full picture. And sometimes I like to think about if Joseph and David were in the same situation. It's a very interesting thing to think about, you know. But I won't go into that. Just imagine the trajectory. Someone like Joseph, imagine he was like, ah, you know, Joe Boy was like, Hey, David Do, how far? And David o was like, Joe Boy, Joe Boy, you will not, you will not, oh, you will not believe what just happened. Somewhere, you know, somewhere now. Hey, I know somewhere. Somewhere, yeah, Professor Samuel, he he anointed me with oil. He said I'll be king one day. Eh. David, you will not believe what I had. Man. I had a dream, a dream that everybody bowed down to me, even the sun, moon, and star, bowed down. Eh. Ah, my gee, I'm good, You're all right. You know, and they were excited. Imagine that. And just imagine the trajectory of Joseph's life from pits to slavery to prison. Imagine you, you know, he had a phone call in the prison said was like, ah. Oh, uh, David, do how far David, do. Ah, uh, Joe, boy, is that you? Uh, David, do. I uh, know. God has shown me Pepe. Ah, uh, bro, what, what happened? Tell me what happened, man. I'm in prison right now. I don't know what God is doing. You're in prison. Uh, where? 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 Which prison? I can help you. I'm the king now. Eh, You are king. Yes, I told you I'm king. I'm on the throne. Bro, I'm happy for you. Ah, I'm happy for you. But ah, uh, not be no be Israel or I Egypt ah, I want to be my territory. Shah, ah, let's pray, let's pray about it. You know, you just imagine that, and you know, I, I use that story to to help people understand that. Look, your path, your pace, and the problems you face are unique, and there's no need to compare yourself with anyone. But that leads me to a man like Abraham. Look at the story of Abraham. Abraham was a man that was called by God, very. You know, deep in his years, this was a man old and gray at 75. And guess what? At this time, no Google Maps, no ways, nothing. Young man, no, that'll be wrong. Old man, <laughs> leave your father's house and go to where I'll show you. Eh? Can you can you pin me the location or just the GPS? Or God, stand up and go. Where? I'll show you. Ha. Huh. So you, you don't have the full picture. No, sir. I just have the next immediate step. Go. And as he went, you see the leadership of God unfold. You see how God in his mercy just leads this man in his providence to establish him as the father of all nations. Beautiful, beautiful story. When I think of a man like Paul, you need to realize that even Paul the apostle didn't know everything. You know, when he started and, you know, he got converted in the faith. He believed God. He was passionate already. The Bible says he went to the synagogues proclaiming. That's where he started, you know, Acts chapter 9. Instead of proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, telling his Jewish folk. And they were skeptical, but still he spoke. few verses after, the Bible says he started to prove Jesus was Messiah. So he left from the place of proclamation to the place where he could prove. But nonetheless, as he started to grow, was focusing on, on the synagogues, preaching to the Jews. He felt there was more. Lord, I know there's more. There's this passion in me to do more for the ministry, but I don't know. I really don't know the picture. And Acts chapter 13 sets the scene. You see the prophets. You see the teachers. You see Barnabas. You see Paul and the rest of them gather together. They need new direction. God, what are you saying? We know there's something here, but we don't know. We're confused. We don't know the next step. We don't have the full picture. We, We need to know. And as they do that, the Bible says the Holy Spirit spoke, of course, through the prophets that were there present in that room. And it says, look, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work for which I have called them to. You need to realize that even that statement in itself is not the full picture. It would have been beautiful if it says, ah, thus seeth the Lord most high that Paul, I have raised you as an emissary to the Gentile nations to shine like a very fancy prophecy. And Barnabas, you'll be the son of encouragement and through your finances and prosperity, the gospel. You know, that could have been fancy and nice. But what did they get? Bro, you, you, stand up. We have work for you to do. What work? I don't know, but there's work. <laughs> the laid hands on them, send them away. You need to realize that it was only, it was through the rejection of the Jews, the passion for ministry to, to the Gentiles was ignited. And then he remembered the, prop. you know, there's a prophecy in the Old Testament that, that verified that, look, he was sent truly to proclaim also to the Gentiles. He didn't have the full picture. Even times where he would go on one journey or the other, you know, he had it planned out. Sometimes the Lord would say, oh, oh boy, come back. No, 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 don't go to Asia Minor yet. Go to this place and go to Macedonia. There's someone that needs you there right now. You need to go. So if God is ever going to work with you, you need to realize that he'll never give you the whole picture. But there is a place for discernment to know what God's next immediate step is. It, it, It comes through different ways. And I'm going to share that even in the course of this. But I also want you to be rest assured. First of all, you will not know everything. And it's helpful. It is safe that you don't know anything and everything. You can know enough, but you won't always know everything. The second thing I would say is that you need to stop being a control freak. You need to be able to surrender and say, Lord, I don't know how it's going to be, and I'm okay with that. And some of you, you are in the diaspora, you are in different countries, trying to figure out, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to settle. I don't know what para path to take. I don't know what God is asking me to do in ministry, so many decisions to make, so many at the same time. I have no idea, but I can promise you from the bottom of my heart that God is trustworthy. He is. You can trust the good shepherd. You can trust him. I have never seen God disappoint me. Even in the the times I was most confused, I could always rest knowing that God has my back. You need to realize that God is both father and he is commissioner. Right, he he watches over you, you know, as much as he has sent you on a mission, sent you on a task to do, he's father, he takes care. And just like any business venture, if you're going to start a business, you must fund the business, you would invest in the business. And when God gives you work to do, he will invest not just in the world, but invest in you. So you trust God, things will get clearer, but. For now, what has God told you to do? What is that next immediate step? Where is that work he has called you out to do? Where is that next step when, where he called Abraham out of his father's house to go? Where is that next step? As you go on that next step, what happens is it opens up the door for the next step to come again and the next step to come again. That's how God works with us. It's always, it's unbiblical, like I said, for you to know everything that God wants for you all at once. It's unbiblical. To you know everything, everywhere, all at once. Sounds like a movie, right? Okay. Um, So that's what I would just say to, to kick that off. Let me read um, this scripture to you. Let me read this scripture to you. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. And it's super common. Super, super common. But I just want to read this to you. It says... Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And there's a promise here. It's telling you, look, you have a circumstance. And one thing, funny enough, I learned this from my from Pastor Ennis, you know, so many years back, I haven't forgotten. You know, the way he said it is, be anxious for nothing. He didn't say pray the anxiety away. Of course, we can do that. But from what Paul is telling us, he's saying, look, be anxious for nothing. That is first an instruction. It's a decision to take. I will not be anxious about anything. Rather, I will choose this instead. That's an act of wisdom. Okay, there's no point worrying. You know, Jesus said, has any of you been able to add one cubit to your height by worrying? And it's just for you to say, look, I, I, I can't control everything. I cannot worry. Nothing comes good. Nothing good comes out of worrying and overanalyzing. And a lot of us are guilty of that. You overanalyze things. But what's the where, the how? I don't know. I don't know. And it's okay. Make the wise decision. Stop being anxious because you can't. I choose not to be anxious. Rather, I will go to God, bare, bold, and share my heart. Lord, this is what I'm going through. I trust that you, you would help me through this. I trust that I would I would understand what you have for me and things will crystallize. And there's a promise that comes with this. When you obey this instruction, there's a promise. The peace of God that passes understanding where people expect you at this stage in your life to have a maybe midlife if you're up to, I think midlife is what, 50 now? I don't know, 40? But quarter life crisis, maybe for most of us. Um, you have a quarter life crisis and people expect you to be panicking and there are no funds. and and there's no line of sight for 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 this to happen and that to happen, and people expect you to be panicking, and you're just chilling, you're just relaxed, you're just at peace. You know when Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter six, in a way, he said these things: the Gentiles run after food, clothing, and all of that. But it says, take no thought for your life, what you eat, what you wear, for tomorrow has its own problems. Like I feel when Jesus said this, our Lord Jesus Christ, I believe. You know those surfer dudes in, in those movies, you know, where they're like, dude, those surf, surfing guys like, dude, like chill, like chillax, bro. I feel like that was the tune of Jesus. I, I may be wrong. I don't know. The Holy Spirit does not correct me. But Jesus could have been like, yo, dudes, relax. Take no thought for what you eat or drink or, dude, just like calm down, okay? Or maybe in, you know, maybe I'm saying the Rema, the Rema in this verse that I'm saying is you know, maybe calm down, calm down, you know, because Jesus said this. He said, Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm with you to the close, 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 close of the age, You understand? The Rhema here is calm down. Calm down. Relax. God is <laughs> I try to keep this it, it, It's a very straight face, but yeah, I'm I'm jokingly serious. Calm down. God is in control. So let's move um, uh, a bit faster on this one. How to grow in discernment. How to grow in discernment. Growing in discernment is not magic. And of course, if I'm going to describe what discernment is, it's simply the ability to determine the inspirational source of a thing or the moral nature of, of an act or a person. Simply put, being able to judge between right and wrong. That's what discernment is. Are you able to discern whether this food is spoiled or still okay? How do you discern the things to do? You smell, probably taste. You shouldn't taste too much of it, but there are ways to discern is this good or, or wrong? When you hear something being said, you, you you can discern is this true, is this false? When you, for example, when Paul had a, a case where, uh, in Acts chapter sixteen, this lady was speaking and shouting and saying, "These men are from God, preaching the gospel and all of that," and some of most of what she was saying was true, but she was causing you know some turbulence, and Paul looks back and rebukes that you no, know, the inspiration of this is a spirit of divination and cast out the devil out of her. You know, someone would have seen her and said, "Ah, this is." Some, some, you know, prophetess. Ah, my, my, my you know, we, we, we are grateful for you, your highness, prophet, you know, to the prophet, prophetess. You know, and you, you say this is a woman of God and it just isn't. Or you see a case where Moses and the magicians, all of them, imagine that, cast their rods. Imagine you're watching from afar. Someone without discernment who see the magicians cast their rods, which equally turn to snake and say, ah, these men are also men of God. Ah, we knew it from the start. But they are not. So, in a nutshell, discernment is is something that can come through practical wisdom and sharpening. Discernment can be built as much as it's also a gift of the spirit. So, there are cases where it's not necessarily about it being built um, in, in certain ways, but just that intuitive knowledge that this is the inspiration of this is ungodly or it's false or this you understand so discernment is both practical and spiritual all right so uh let me just give you ways that i believe i'll just talk five ways to grow in discernment uh and and using discernment in making the right decisions all right um number one number one is this Allow the word of God shape your values and convictions. Allow the word of God shape your values and convictions. I'll give you examples. Allow the word of God shape your values and convictions. The funny thing I've realized is this when people try to make judgment calls and when you go a bit apologetically, you know, and you're talking, giving a case for morality, when you are talking about right or wrong when you call someone out imagine this imagine a godless society or people who are atheists or agnostic and you know a man for example you know has multiple partners and you know maybe you as a christian call that out hey bro that's wrong that's ungodly And says how how is it ungodly it's not true you know you can't call me out on that because as long as I'm not hurting anybody, as long as it's consensual, it's fine. You know, that's his principle. You know, but at the end of the day, when you call the same person out and you say, uh, imagine, you know, the person also has a partner that may, maybe a wife and the wife cheats on him, for example, and he gets upset. The question is, how do you know that's cheating? Like, oh, how do you know cheating is wrong? Like, on what basis? The point I'm trying to make is when people make judgment calls, there has to be a standard for it or else nothing makes sense or else I can go into your house, kill and murder your entire family and I'm fine. I'm okay. I made it right. Like, there's no right or wrong. There has to be a standard. There has to be you know somewhere where we can say, look, this is the reason why I'm saying this is right or wrong. And what I've realized is that a lot of people, especially in the Western part of the world, a lot of people have values and convictions about certain things that were probably just passed on to them by their parents or society, and they never really knew what exactly the Word of God says. I I mean, there are a couple of people that, you know, I I help and speak to people who are trying to break free from sexual addictions and promiscuity and things like that. You know, and I'll ask this question, and I found it very repetitive. Why should you not have premarital sex? Right, of course, not judgmentally. Why should you not have premarital sex? And here's what they are because you know my pastor has been saying it ever since. My parents have been saying it ever since. I, I never heard from any of these people because the word of God says, because First Corinthians 6:9, because this says this, because that says. I don't hear it because a lot of people's values is is hearsay. It's based on what they've heard, what's been passed on. A lot of people's, you know, ideologies about abortion. People are like pro-choice women should be able to do what they want with their bodies. It's their bodies after all. Oh my gosh. Can you guys give us some space? You've taken everything from us. Now you want to take our bodies from us. Come on, get away from here, you know. (laughs) If, If there's any close resemblance to any... Yeah, that was just pure coincidence. Anyway. Imagine that. Just think about it, you know, and, and then you, maybe emotionally and sentimentally speaking, you're like, it's true, we should defend women's rights to to do whatever they want with their bodies. And you don't realize that what's at stake is not necessarily the body of the woman. It's there is another body in the woman who sadly didn't have a right or a you know a place to say anything to fight for their own lives. And when we go to the Bible, realize that. Every life counts. We see that there's formation, you know. You know, David describing the formation, how it is beautifully and wonderfully made, you know, how Jeremiah from the womb was called by God, how murder is a sin. And when you have a life developing in you, no matter how short the lifespan was, whether it's a month old or less than that, it's a life, it's not a clump of cells. When when the Bible sharpens your discernment, when the scriptures Help you distinguish and solidify that line between right and wrong, then your discernment grows. I, I remember one time I caught myself blurring the lines, you know. And I'll be honest about this: this was this was maybe my first year in in the university, and it was this TV show. Um, I don't know how many of you know this TV show, uh, Pretty Little liar and I just liked it. it was you know it was a mystery, was suspenseful. And there was this particular character who was lesbian, you know, and she was trying to follow her heart, and the other of her friends were fine with it. But there were people in school who were bullying this girl and were mocking her for that, you know, calling her all sorts of things. And at some point, I started to get upset. Like, what's wrong with you people? Leave her alone. She's free to love who she loves. Hey! By the time I caught myself saying that, I said, oh, my goodness oh my goodness, that was so easy, so easy to switch sides, so easy to blur the lines and cross over to the other side where the lines don't even exist anymore. And that's the attempt of the enemy, to blur the lines, to remove the benchmark on which you build your convictions morally, to remove the scriptures at that platform and foundation on which you stand. But if you're ever going to grow in the sermon, there is a standard to make choices between right and wrong to make the right decisions. The word of God will always be the word of God. The word of God is the final authority It's a foundation of morality. And it's the guide for us to make the right decisions in this life. So let the word of God shape your convictions and build them in the long run. Number two, number two way you know, to grow in discernment is seek wise counsel, seek wise counsel. Um, and and trust me, this is something that I've experienced firsthand. There are a lot the way the body of Christ works is such that God made every member of the body co and interdependent upon one another. That the eye cannot say to the hands, I don't need you. Or the ear to say to the legs, I don't need. It. And many people don't realize it, but the ear, the ear and the legs are very, very very connected maybe if you're a medical student you know that i think there's a there's something that ba- causes balance in the cochlea. i think uh i read this ages ago can't remember but yeah like for each part of the body to say to the other i don't need you it's not possible we all need each other and even the teacher of the word needs a teacher of the word because the way god made it to be is that there's some things you just will never ever in your life understand unless you're taught and not because you are dumb or unintelligent or not spirit-filled it's how god wants the church to be like where we have need of the gifts of each other that's just how god's method is and so in a place where you are confused you are stuck you need to make some decisions your discernment is shaky it's fogged it is you know it's just not clear you're just not sure what to do god can put Wise, trusted people in your life, in trusted communities such as what you have here, you know, the leaders of this community where you can just say, Look, I'm at a a crossroads. I don't know what to do. And all that you've been racking your brain for months in one moment's breath in the conversation with this person lights it up, exposes everything right before your eyes. And like, whoa, I didn't see that. You get instructed, you get empowered. You're enlightened. You know what to do. You, you're motivated. You are ready to take life by the horns. And so that is what God does for, for us in community. When we seek wise counsel, God communicates his wisdom through people who are wise, who are trusted, and have a track record of living out what they preach. So that's very important. And it's something that I think the new generation um doesn't really honor as much as, as we're supposed to, where people's opinions, especially people who have gathered wisdom and experience over the years, you know, can pass on to us. I think it's super, super valuable. Number three, do not quench the spirit. This is uh, uh, gotten from First Thessalonians chapter five. Do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. And there are different ways you could interpret what quenching the spirit is. But primarily, I believe, what this means is, do not quench the leading of the Spirit, at least contextually. Don't quench the leading of the Spirit. One way I have found that God operates is, He leads through obedience. The Bible says that He humbles the proud and gives grace to the humble, right? And He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Exactly. Thank you. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Um, the Spirit of God is like a fire. And and I like the terminology quench. He's burning, he's leading, he's directing. When he tells you no, for example, will just give you an idea. For well, people who have maybe struggled with some temptation or an addiction or something, and in the moment you're faced with the temptation, you're about to give in, and you know that still voice within, that That prompting, don't do it. Maybe not as loud as the magician saying, Yes, do this. Come on, come on. And that voice is saying, No, don't do it. Stop it. When you give in, what happens is that next time when that happens, you feel bad, you feel sorrowful. You give in again, and you give in again, and you give in again. You just realize your conscience starts to be seared. You start to be numb to those things. Things start to become more comfortable you hardly ever hear him speak anymore. It's because God leads through obedience. If the the converse is the case, when you say yes to the Holy Spirit, you know, there's a song I grew up listening to. No, 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 in Jesus' name, no. I'm going to follow Jesus. No, no, no. When you say, you know, to the devil, you tell him no. When you start to say yes more to the Holy Spirit, his voice gets louder. His voice gets more predictable. It becomes more distinguishable from other voices through obedience. And a typical example is what happened with Samuel, where God called him, Samuel! Samuel! You know? And he thought it was Eli. It was ordinary. And he ran and met Eli. Yes, sir. Uh, can I help you? You called me now. Uh, no, go back to him. Go and sit. Just Pass me now. And he went, and, Samuel! Yes, that's how he was called. I promise. I did my research. Samuel! And he ran. Eli. What you call me, sir? Bro, if you don't get your ass in your room, I'm gonna smack you. You know, black American style. And then this guy was back, and then called me again. And I realized, oh, this is the Lord. And he told him, "When you hear this again, reply. Your servant hears, Lord, speak." And he did this exact same thing. And when he responded, more information came. There was conversation. When we learn. To not quench the spirit and to obey His voice, and in a moment's breath, what He tells you to do sounds or seems scary. It's telling you to go preach to that person. He's telling you to give the money you've raised for something to someone else. It doesn't make sense, but He's telling you the things, and you obey. It makes sense. There was a time I I remember. Um, <laughs> this is very funny. Back in the school, I remember. Um, when I was trying to do some assignments, I think we had a deadline and I got an instruction from the Holy Spirit. And uh, I think because of my pre- previous obedience, it was easier to know that this was him. And it's not something I can teach you, it's something you will experience practically. And he, he literally told me this, I kid you not, it's crazy. He told me to buy ice cream in the cafeteria. I was like, what? <laughs> Buy ice cream in the cafeteria. Just go and buy ice cream. I said, okay. I went to the cafeteria. I mean, this, this is the leading that gladly I will do. I, I know some of you can relate. Of course, it's ice cream. What am I doing? Do time, Lord, use me. Anything, any, how much ice cream are we talking, Lord? Tell me. <laughs> and I bought the ice cream. And as I was done literally buying the ice cream, more information came. He told me, turn around and give it to that lady. So it was in a cup, about bought the ice cream. And there was a lady sitting down at the, at the table in the cafeteria. No one else was sitting all alone. So I went to see, and, I mean, it just made sense. This thing was like, God, are you, is this a chai king thing? Are you trying to help my, you know, my minister? God? I see you, I see you, you know. <laughs> I thought that was what it was. And then I sat down with her and I was like, hi, hello. And I sat down with her, I kid, you know, the Lord told me to tell her, that he forgives her of all her sins and he does not condemn her. That was it. I said, Hi, how are you? I'm Kenneth. How are you? What's your name? And she mentioned her name. I was like, This was a very weird conversation. So I said, I said, Do you know that God forgives you of all your sins? He's forgiven you and he does not condemn you anymore. And you broke down in tears. And it was crying and weeping. And then I found out that she had, you know, wanted to take her life the, the day before because she was reading with so much guilt and she was planning to take her life that night. She already had pills that she was going to overdose on. And she was just like, God, please, I need you to forgive me. And I can't deal with this guilt anymore. And and she was struggling with a lot of stuff. And that's how we had the conversation and we shared that cup of ice cream together. You know, and, and the leadings of God can be strange. Can be daunting, can be scary, but they are always an adventure. I love going on adventures where it doesn't make sense at the start, but it crystallizes and it just all makes sense. But you will not quench the spirit if you want to grow in discernment. If you want to hear God's voice more clearly, you would be obedient. You will not quench the spirit. Another example, am I good on time? I think so. I'm almost done. Anyway, another example was when. Um, which is just, I, don't, I hope it relates to this, but I was in a gathering of people also back in the university and we're praying together and I was beside this young lady. We're just praying. And someone was like, every time, young lady, young lady, don't judge me. Please focus. And we were praying and there was this young lady uh, beside me. We were just praying and the Lord told me to ask her, you know, for her name. For, for her name. Um, and I was like, do you know any I, I literally interrupted her in prayer, so she was like, Yes. I was like, sorry, sorry to disturb you. Um, do you know any dials? Like, dial, no, shada bada no dio, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't she was, you know, she's I mean she's praying and then we're praying again. I was like, ah, I'm so sorry, are you sure you don't know a it, dial? It's like no, no, she kept praying and praying and praying. This little guy disturbing me. And then I was like, God, why are you embarrassing me like this? Like, anyway, maybe that was maybe it was just my mind. I got to that place. And I was like, oh, you said it now. And I just like, anyways, let me just leave it. By the time the person said in Jesus' name, we've prayed. Amen. She just, you know, pulled on my hands. She so was like, um, so there's no dial, but there's a tire. I said, oh, okay. I said, so who's the tire? Like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Ah, uh, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Makes sense. I was off by one one vowel. I mean, one consonant, I beg your pardon. One letter, I was off. But it's fine, you know. Um, But that's where I learned to build the confidence in hearing from God. I would rather be, you know, I would rather be wrong altogether than be disobedient or to have the appearance of disobedience. I, I would rather be embarrassed um, Than outrightly saying no to the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to encourage you to do the same. You grow in the when and the Holy Spirit leads you. He's there. You started off by saying those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He's there. He He's not trying to lead you astray. He's leading you. But you grow in leadership when you grow in obedience. And you learn to say, okay, this doesn't make sense, but I'll withdraw the last cast that I have and give to answer doesn't make logical sense, but I'll do it anyways because you said so. You know, I, I, there's many stories that like I, I wish I could share, um, but it pays, it pays, it pays to always um, adhere to the spirit. more you partner with him, the better you're hearing. Number four, how to grow in discernment, in decision-making. By using logic and conscience, by using your logic, and conscience by using your logic and conscience. I know this sounds unspiritual, but I'm getting somewhere. Using logic and conscience, you know, God gave you a reasonable mind as a human being, not even as a believer, right? As believers, we have the mind of Christ. We have the revelation of God through the Spirit, through you know, to us through the apostles, right? mind but you have a reason mind have a mind that can reason that is able to reason that's what a reasonable mind means you can reason you can make decisions you can make logical conclusions you can literally compare and make a decision based on comparison you can see two people and say this person is short this person is tall your mind can process those things right you have that mind it's a gift from god you also have your conscience. There's just that inner witness. And Romans 2 talks about it. That even people who are without the law, there's a conscience, there's an internal law in it, embedded in them that just makes them know, no, this is wrong. And I know conscience can be shaped. It can be shaped by societal eth- ethos. It can be shaped by culture, all of those things. But uniquely, there's just some things we just naturally know. Even when you look at kids, by the time a kid does something wrong, it's the way you react to a kid's junior and a kid who, you know, that sheepish smile being no. You know, you get to that age where your conscience is alive, you know, you can reason. So, in making decisions, your conscience is a powerful tool. And of course, if you sharpen your conscience, if you update and upgrade your conscience with the word of God, all the better for you. If your conscience is so sensitive and alive, it's brilliant, it's beautiful. When it comes to your logical reasoning as well, there are things that God just expects you to do. You do your homework, right? If, for example, you're going to apply for school, I would imagine that you're going to logically see, okay, financially speaking, what makes sense? In terms of the course I'm pursuing, what makes sense? In terms of um, the accreditation of this degree, what makes sense? In terms of the location, what makes sense? That you can make logical decisions with the reasonable mind that God has given you, which is shaped and renewed by the Word of God. It's a powerful tool, and a lot of us can err on the side of over spiritualizing things. You know, for example, I was you know teaching this just uh, in service today, when people are making decisions, Jackbar or not, there are people who can over spiritualize it. But when you think about it, when people are traveling abroad to do maybe a master's degree and, you know, they want to you know, go further into education, when you think about it, even the base primary education that you got, there was not a conversation with your parents or a prayer point, Lord, is education your will? Father, let us know in the name of Jesus, should my child be educated? It's, it's almost a given, Right you go to in your nursery education, your primary education, your secondary education, your tertiary education. And if you want to do your postgraduate, I think, logically speaking, if you believe it's helpful for your skill set, your career progression, it's something that is truly needed, you go for it. You know. So as much as we, we want to acknowledge God in all our ways and include him and his leadership, God also expects the barest minimum for us. You know, you know? <laughs> someone said God gives a your brain so he doesn't have to do all the work for us, all right? And I agree with it. There are things that God has given you that you can save him the time. We know some things, there are things that when you say God speak to me, oh, you're not talking. Maybe he has already spoken and you just haven't read what he's spoken. Maybe the reason why you are jobless and you have not applied for a job is because you don't realize that he's already spoken if you're going to eat you would work you will work. he's given the example of work and how work brings a harvest and fruits and it's something that you must do you must you should take a job but then of course there's a place of lord okay these are my plans these are the places i've applied to where do you want me to go here money back where is I shouldn't have said money back. Where is the spirit back? It's like that. Where, where are you actually leading me to? Where is the place you want me to do? I've done the homework. These are my plans, but I'm, I'm, I'm including you in my plans. And if you want to take up my plans, scrunch it up and throw it in the bin, chuck it away, do with it what you want. But you have logic and you have conscience, you have a reasonable mind that can just help you make the right decisions. For example, as a lady, you have some guy telling you that he loves you, you know, and, but you need to prove your love for him. You need to get down with him, get busy, and fellowship with him, if you know what I mean. And he's telling you these things and like, but I don't know, he seems like a nice guy, but like, I don't know, He, I'm not sure. I don't know whether he really values like, I don't know. I really can't say. You can't say what. (laughs) Literally telling you for you to prove your love, you should get down, you know, with him and have sex. If you didn't get what I was saying all, all along, but your mind, your conscience will tell you this is not true. This is not a proof of love. How was the greatest demonstration of love shown? It was shown in sacrifice, not in getting down and dirty. You know, and so God has given us a mind. Um, when they were choosing deacons in, in Acts chapter is it six, they're choosing deacons of which uh, Stephen was one. And what did they do? They literally, by observation, saw that this was a man filled with wisdom, filled with the Holy Spirit, amongst others like Philip and Timonas, and Parmenas, I beg your pardon, and Timon, and you know, Timon and Pumba. Okay, only me. Okay, sorry. But Timon was actually one of them, <laughs> all of them, you know, and they, you know, lay of these guys, elect them as deacons from observation. If you're going to hire someone from a job, it's not by prayer or fasting. Of course, there's a part where by discernment you can know sometimes things that you will not naturally see. But there are metrics, there are requirements, and this person should meet the requirements for the job. You know, so there's just just logic and conscience God has given us to make decisions better. And the last thing I would say is pay attention to your passions. Number five, pay attention to your passions. Number one, what did I say? Allow the word of God to, to shape your values and convictions. Number two, seek wise counsel. Number three, do not quench the spirit. Number four, use logic and use your logic and conscience. Number five, pay attention to your passions I'll stop at number five because every good teaching should be five you know because five is grace grace right um yeah but pay attention to your passions um many times this is one way God leads it's still under the leadership of God but when it comes to your passions they're a very good indicator of what you should do for time right? What you should do part time. It's a very powerful indicator. You guys are super cool. Look at the points already there. So quickly. Interesting. Um. So yeah, it's, it's paying attention to your passions. And passions is not always what you like. I know a lot of people think about, oh, what am I passionate about? What do I love doing? No, sometimes it could be what do you hate doing or hate seeing or hate witnessing? Do you hate child sexual abuse? Do you hate seeing broken marriages? Do you hate people not knowing what the purpose of their life is and just roam around idle? This is some some passions that can help you and, and the passions could come in, in the form of solving a problem, solving a problem, providing a solution. Maybe God wants you to do that. Maybe you've been thinking about. Joining a KPMG or working at a bank. But no, there's this uncontrollable passion to see kids go to school that people are educated and you're willing to make the decision look, I know God will take care of me. Right now, this is the passion that I feel would help me fulfill purpose. And you quit your job and maybe you leave where you are abroad to go back to Nigeria, for example, or wherever your home country is. And you start that foundation or partner with someone doing that. It takes guts to do that, but sometimes it helps, you know, when it comes to making decisions. and Maybe it's on the other side, something you truly love. You love seeing people built in the word word of God. You love seeing people, you know, know, build successful businesses. Those are indications that could lead you to what you ought to be doing for a time and to help you make decisions. So I know there's so much to say about discernment and decision making in what you pick and what you choose, but this kind of sums it up, that God has given you a mind of your own to reason with, to make critical decisions, is put the conscience within you as well. And he wants that your conscience, your values, your convictions are built with the standard of his word, that they are, they, there's correction by the word. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16 that the word of God is profitable, right? It's all scripture is breathed and inspired by God. It's profitable to teach you doctrine and give you a a, a system of teaching and beliefs. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable to reprove and rebuke you when you're wrong and and to give you evidence for things that you, you, you need evidence for and to correct you when you're wrong. And to so instruct you in righteousness so that you are complete, lacking nothing in the will of God. So, the point of this is that God wants you well rounded, infused with his word, you know, sharpened, the discernment sharpened with his word. And that along the way, with every decision that you get to take, to remember that God is Father as much as he's Commissioner, he is Shepherd, and he leads. He is not and a faithful shepherd that doesn't watch the sheep and is sleeping and watching netflix while the sheep are roaming around he's present he leads us on the path of righteousness he leads us beside still waters. he restores our soul when we are worn out and we are tired and our mind is chaotic and they are full of anxiety he restores us he he keeps us grounded he's the anchor for our soul and when we trust him and we pray to him and 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 just rant and vent and out our hearts in supplication and thanksgiving gives us a promise that the peace that passes all understanding will flood our hearts and minds through jesus christ our lord can we just share a prayer together let me just pray this one thing father in the name of jesus this is what you're going to pray lord in the name of jesus i choose to trust you what i have tried to be a control freak on my life where over and alive things and worried and just hyperventilated and so just controlling the steering wheel of my life, Lord. I repent of it today, I repent of it, and I want you to take control. I want you to lead me, and I will follow. Can you pray that right now out of the sincerity of your heart, Lord? In the name of Jesus, I repent. I repent in the name of Jesus. I repent. And I trust you more. I trust you more. I've learned that I won't always see the big picture. I won't always see the full picture. And I trust you even in the unknown. I trust you in the unseen. I trust you even though I don't know what my future looks like. But I trust you who holds the future. I repent for the times I've doubted you. I trust you. I trust you. As I make decisions, I trust you. As I pick and choose, I trust you. I know you will never lead me astray. You are a good shepherd. I shall not want. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glorious, glorious Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And precious Father in heaven, glorious Lord and Wonderful friend, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege that we've just had to study your word and to be reminded that even as we grow in discernment, we can grow in trust. And even when life becomes chaotic and when we are so short-sighted, we can't even see beyond our breath. Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us to trust you. Help us to trust you in the unknown. Help us to trust you in the uncertain and the unseen. Help us to hold on the glimpses of the future you've given us, the visions, the promises, the prophecies. Help us to hold tightly to them. Like the dreams you gave Joseph, help us to, if even if it takes 13 years or 30 years, to hold on to what you've said before, we will never let go of your promises. You know, because you are that good and faithful, we will see every promise, every prophecy, every will and desire you have for us. We'll see them come to fruition in Jesus' mighty 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 name. We have prayed in Jesus' name. We've prayed, amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this privilege. I I hope you've been blessed truly, and I love you very much. Thank you all so much. I pray that the Lord uh, imbues you with such wisdom and sharpens your discernment to avoid costly mistakes. You know, Lord told me about someone who's literally in that place to make a costly mistake and it involves someone else There's an influence and you're making a decision based on someone else in your life and you've had promptings that it's the wrong decision to take. And the Lord is saying this is just a reminder. This is a second chance to, to not quench him. All right, praise the Lord.
1: Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you very much, Pastor Kenneth. Thank you very, very much. That was a, a powerful, stirring teaching. And I just left this on the screen for those of you who maybe missed out on some of the uh, points. So I hope you've taken notes of that. But I want us to do what we do in our normal fashion. I want you to unmute yourselves. And let's appreciate Pastor Kenneth together. So if you if your hands are not busy, Click on the unmute and shout right now and say thank you, Pastor Kenner. Thank you,
2: thank you, Pastor, Pastor Ken. God
1: bless you thank and we love you. so much. much. I love, love you very you. much as my brother, and I also ask Pastor Ken. But yes, thank you so much for this time. Thank you very much. So um, I want I want you guys to also keep um Vivify Ministries in prayer. They are trying to do big things um i mean they just launched their website um ministries.org am that i com, right
2: Welcome, we it yeah okay
1: so yeah so you guys should follow There's a, there's going to be great stuff up there as well um so and then you can definitely follow um, pastor kenneth on ig
0: at kenneth lusonia so Hey there, so we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on Mixlr or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly, forward slash bmg live four that's the number four or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there we hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith